thank you, thank you for your, your church gathering. Thank you that we get to we get to gather together and worship you, uh, connect with one another, and uh, ultimately connect with you, you Jesus. And uh, we, we bless the rest of our time together. Uh, we pray as we study the scriptures and open them up that you would speak, your presence would speak, your your voice would speak to us. Individually and as a and as a church here today. So over over the last uh, few months, really, Bill and I, we've been dreaming, scheming, and wondering what what kind of church is Jesus building here. But um, we've been mentioning the last few few weeks, really. This time, eighteen months ago, none of us were here. None of us were here on Sunday. We or in our small groups. Uh, some of us, we weren't here. We weren't known or becoming known. And we believe that God has deposited uh, in us a vision uh, to, of the kind of church that, that Jesus is building here in South London. Uh, we've had some prophetic promises that this, uh, this community would grow quickly. Uh, and our job, uh, I mentioned this last week, our job was just to strap ourselves in onto the roller coaster ride. That we weren't to steer, but we were just literally to let God take us, whatever He, whatever the steering, whatever the move, whatever the ups and downs. But what we felt God to say to us was to call people, to invite people, to partner with us on this adventure. And God's words to us were, "Go and bring life to Balaam and beyond." And so over these last few weeks and into January. Um, all we've been doing is uh, we've been uh, talking about what what is the vision that God has given to us? What is the vision that we think that God has given to us? And as we've begun gathering, inviting people together, some of the areas that Viv and I have been wrestling with is the quality of discipleship. The uh, how do we manage this growth? Some of, our, some of our thoughts and some of the lies that we might be believing is that if we can be, we're small, which means that we can, we can grow a community. Small means that you can disciple people. Small means that you can be known. And that's been attractive. So some of you have come and joined in because, oh, this is a nice community. I can be known here. I can uh, get to know some people. And as we grow, and as we get uh, bigger and bigger and bigger, the, the challenge is, does the quality change as the quantity increases? Uh, and so these two sides, of both the quality and the quantity, are things that we've been wrestling in the last couple of months really, God's been uh, asking us about what some of the lies that we've been believing about quality and quantity. And uh, so I just wanted to let you into some of our thinking. Uh, some of our thinking. Uh, so we talked about quality in terms of discipleship and building and making disciples. On the other hand, God is this expansive creator. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. And astronomers, scientists, mathematicians all agree at one point in time, there was this explosion of creative force. Suddenly something happened. 
Not only that, but the universe continues to grow, doesn't it? What's interesting, you, you, you don't see any point in Scripture where God says, stop, creation, stop. His creative force in his words means that infinity has no boundaries. Sounds like a Toy Story movie. <laughs> infinity just has no boundaries to God. Uh, and you look through the Old Testament, his promises to Abraham, to Moses, to David, they're all about multitudes. He grabs Abraham, doesn't he? And he takes him out in the night and he says, hey, Abraham, look up. Count the stars. How many do you see? And Abraham says, there's, there's, there's loads of stars. And God's promise to Abraham was that his descendants would outnumber the stars. It's interesting. It's all about the multitudes. As you look at scripture, birthing something that will produce something large, massive, sizable, spacious, substantial, vast, grandiose, colossal. Uh, yes, I did look up. So Viv and I, we've been wrestling with this. God has been asking us this question, this question. Can you grow a community? Can we have quality and quantity hand in hand? And uh, if we're honest, we never thought 18 months later when we, when we felt God to, to start the church, we never thought we'd run out of chairs. We never thought we'd have to think about maybe in a few months, are we going to have enough room in the hall? We never thought about that. Never, never, never thought these kind of problems would be a problem. And the Lord is surprising us with his vision. He's been challenging Viv and I about our dreams and our vision. What's God's dream for your life? What are some of the dreams that God's put in your life? What are the highest peaks he's put out in front of you? Then we'll shut our answer. Um, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, whatever you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Whatever we do, we do it for the glory of God. In absolutely everything we do. Even down to the neutral bullet that we drink before we go to work. <coughs> or the skinny latte from Starbucks. We do it all for the glory of God. In front of every mountain of purpose and happiness, there's hidden the glory of God. In everything that we do, there's hidden God's glory. And every other ambition and dream looks pale and stale compared to the glory of God. And what Satan will try to do, he'll try to confuse us. He'll try to challenge us, confuse us. He'll suggest smaller dreams, lesser glories, to other gods, and other gods, into our hearts. Netflix, that's, that's what you should desire. That's what you need. Uh, more time on Instagram, that's what... That's what you need to do. That's what uh, possessions, things, the new iPhone, whatever it is, we're tempted away from the greater goal, which is the glory of God. Uh, and so, as we've been thinking about that, what are some of the lies that we've been? What are some of the temptations of this church to settle? To okay, we we're now full. 
as a church. We're now, we're probably about an average sized church in the UK. We could, we could settle. We could, right, let's focus, let's concentrate, let's consolidate. Uh, one of the things that we've been, I've been looking at is around Acts, the book of Acts. And so we're going to look at a few scriptures today. And what we're going to do is a bit of a church health check. Church health check. And uh, what are some of the keys of common quality and quantity in the early church that we can help, help us in predicting and seeing what God's future is like in our church? Uh, so let's read it. Words are going to come up the screen. If you don't have a Bible, there's, there's some at the back. If you haven't got a Bible, you don't own a Bible, grab a Bible. Uh, take it with our compliments. So the first one, Acts 2, verse 40. Sorry, slides. Uh, it says, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the, the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promises for you and your children are for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And then it goes on. Uh, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. This is verse 33. Everyone was filled in awe, and many wonders and signs performed. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All of the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to everyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple court. They broke bread in their home and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who had been saved. In the midst of this outpouring and confusion, we hear earlier, Peter gets up and he, and he says, what was prophesied to Joel, this is what's happening now. And uh, there's, in the scriptures there, it says that 3,000 people were added to that day. 3,000 3, people. 3,000 3, people were baptised in that day. A handful of believers. Imagine, so Bruce and I, we were talking Friday, imagine how long that took to count 3,000 people. Imagine how long that took to baptise them. I mean, the way we baptise people here probably would have taken a couple of days if we did it here, we, the way we do it. A couple of days. Um, can I just take your email address? what we would do, like, what's your email address? And we might get bigdogjehoshaphat at gmail.com. We might get all kinds of email on our database. Uh, my point is that tremendous growth in a moment, an explosion of numbers in the early church, and it's this quality and quantity that I've just met. We've got an expansive God, multitudes, baptism, signs and wonders, but then you have this quality, this depth, the fellowship, the togetherness, the discipleship, the community. Um, so there are places in this world 
And one of our, our commissions is to, to go and make disciples, to go and help others to know who Jesus is. And there are places in the world that have not heard the gospel. And there are people that don't realise that God is good. Some of them are five minutes away. Not the other side of the world. Uh, they don't realise that he, God can rescue, he can save, he can deliver them from their pain, from their shame, from their sin. He can give them a family, give them an eternal destiny. In some, in some cases, just five minutes away from where we're sitting now, we don't always have to go to the end of the earth. It's the colleague, the other side of the office from us. It's the mum at the school gate. It's the barista that serves us coffee every day. It's Jack, the homeless guy, that we pass uh, on our way to work. It's Michael who comes to the job club every week because he's lonely and he hasn't got any friends. It's the person sitting next to you. It isn't always some foreign land that we have to go to uh, here in South London. There are people here that haven't heard the gospel. You may be new. You may be new to the church. Um, I think everyone would say that they're pretty new to the church. Um, uh, probably the person sitting next to you—they may have only been around for a couple of months. Uh, one of the things that we're noticing is that uh, for some of us trying to fit in and settle in the church, um, one of the best ways is to join a small group. One of the fantastic ways is to get yourself into a small group. Get people to who you get to know, you can know them, they can pray for you, you can eat together, you can share, all kinds of things. Um, and for some of us who've been here a while, um, my point is that we're still moving, that the size and the quality is going is gonna to be an issue for us. Uh, and what the challenge that we've been hearing from God is that... Um, he says to us, I'll build my church. He'll deal with the quantity. It's up to us to deal with the quality. And so in these scriptures here, how did the church become successful, grow in, in growth and quality? So, so point number one, I've got seven. I'm going to try and wrestle through these. Seven points. Um, get to the next one. Seven points. Number one, they had one heart, one mind, one accord. You go to the previous slide. Uh, the believers share their possession. All the believers were of one heart and one mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own. One accord. The, one accord. They got together. Uh, they actually got together in a room. And around the world, believers today, believers every day, We'll meet in all kinds of places. And to be honest, I don't think God cares where we meet. Could be a pub, could be a coffee shop, could be a warehouse, could be in prison, could be in homes. One accord, it's together, it's this congregation who meet together. One mind. That the mindset, everyone had the mind of Christ together. They had one mind. They were out for one vision, one mission, and one heart. People that were part of the church, they were all in. They were in emotionally, 
physically, psychologically. So my heart, my emotions, my feelings, my money, I'm all in. When you've got these three things happening in a community of believers, whether it's five people, whether it's a thousand people, I honestly believe we can change the world. One heart, one mind, one accord. Number two. Number two. They devoted themselves to teaching and to the scriptures. Um, it's a really big deal. They devoted themselves to the teachings of Jesus, the quality of, of teaching. They were teaching the word of God that's living and breathing. It's the scripture. They were teaching Jesus. Um, I, I love the book of Acts. Um, what's interesting is the book of Acts isn't called the book of knowledge or the book of theories or the book of truths or the book of teachings. No, it's called, or, or, or the book of information. It's called the book of Acts because God in the early church did something. The church actually did something. Uh, one of the things that we want to do is encourage us to get into the scriptures. The best way that you can be a disciple and follower of Jesus, Jesus is to read your Bibles every day. Read your, it's the best way to be a disciple and follower of Jesus. Read your Bibles every day. Um, but they did something. Uh, James 1.2 says, We cannot just be hearers of the word, we must be doers of the word. We must be doers of the word. Okay, number three. The fellowship and breaking of bread. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we gathered our job club volunteers just to celebrate, to thank them for what they, the time they have given to us every week. And uh, we invited them around to our home, we had a brunch. Uh, There's about a dozen of us here, some of us were here, a dozen of <coughs> us there, uh, just to celebrate what... what the job club has done. We've helped dozens and dozens and dozens of people find find job. One of our volunteers who she just looked around around the corner. She came to us and she just thanked us for inviting her into our home. She thought, this is really unusual. We take it for granted. Just eating together, being part of a community together. She just thanked us. She really earnestly thanked us for, for all that we've we've done. And, We've made it now. We've made it now. Um, if you want to grow spiritually, get around a meal with other believers. Uh, one guy a few years ago came to our, our small group. Uh, and during the meal, during the sort of meal time in our, in our small group, he interrupted me and said, Is this a Bible study? He said, it's just that you're having too much fun. <laughs> the Bible studies that I've been part of, they're, they're just, uh, they're boring. Um, just get together, eat. Uh, and I'm, I'm really glad in the scripture that you are, that part of my spiritual growth is around sharing a meal with other people. Find people, find your people and go and have a meal uh, I love our dining table. I'm going to carry on this. I love our dining table. We, we wanted a sort of a big dining table where we could gather lots of people. Um, just on Friday, we had a friend of ours round and we just wept with her as she just told us her story of her last three or four years. And we just wept together. Uh, and it was just this beautiful moment where we just embraced one another and prayed for each other. 
Our table has got history, it's got memories, it's got stories, it's got tears, it's got anger, it's got spiritual discussion, it's got surface discussion. But there's something about getting uh, into a meal with people. There's something amazing about sitting down and having a meal with someone. Have you ever been to a meeting with food versus a meeting without food? So much better, isn't it? <laughs> I, used to ha- I used to help run a, a relationship charity and we developed all kinds of courses in prisons and in the community. And we were asked by a short staff centre to, to help them with their parenting courses. Lots of the, the mums would come along, but they struggled to get guys to come along. So we did some assessment with them. And I, and I just said, um, have a barbecue and get some beers. And that might help some men to come in. Have some meat and beer. I'll go. Um, and so we noticed this sudden growth in men who would come on this parenting trip just because we provided Budweiser and, and burgers. It was amazing, it was amazing. Um, but I love, I love eating together. Eat together. It doesn't have to be spiritual, but it's, a, it's one of the best ways to get, get known. Number four, carrying on with the, the same verse here, Acts 2.40, they devote themselves to apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking bread and prayer. Prayer is one of, one of our all-important foundations. It's utterly important for us as the life of, life of the church. We love praying. We love praying together, praying on your own praying with other people. Um, we've, all had, we've all been in bad prayer meetings. Some of us have been in bad prayer meetings. Some of us have been in fantastic prayer meetings. There's something about praying together. Pray, pray together. Okay, number five. This. Number five. One of the hallmarks of the church in terms of the intersect between quality and quantity. These are, the, these are my top seven. Number five. Signs and wonders. Uh, there were too many references just in the book of Acts about the church uh, demonstrating signs and wonders. The book of Acts, they, act, they activated what was happening. If we're only talking about what God did five years ago, <coughs> or what God's done in the Bible, if we're only saying it's, it's the back then, if we're not saying what's God doing now, what's God doing in our midst now, then I'm not sure that's a hallmark of a healthy church. Signs and wonders is normal Christianity. Mm. And uh, we touched on this last week. The normal Christian life is this tension of the supernatural and being normal. Uh, Randy Clark says this. Healing is a mystery. We don't know all the reasons why things happen or not. Our job is to show up and pray in Jesus' name. We're just to, our job is just to show up, is just to turn up and pray in Jesus' name. We show up, we pray, we let God do the rest. Okay, number six, Generosity. Uh, one of the hallmarks of the early church was this, it's generosity. In all the passages we've, we've mentioned, we hear there's no, there was no lack for anyone who had need. Uh, if there was people there, they willingly sold their possessions and gave the money to the leadership and said, please give, give those to, who had need. 
Generosity, compassion is a hallmark of a healthy church. It's one of the things that we've, t we've taken seriously. It's one of our key values that we want to be radically generous. Almost, we, we want to be radically compassionate in our community. Um, if you come to, come to Vilgarai with an idea of a project that's out for our community, we give it a yes. We say yes. We say yes, absolutely. So on Friday, we had a... We, so we were now a bike hub, apparently. <laughs> Uh, we were collecting bikes, which are then going to be fixed and repaired to then be given to refugees in, in London. And so we signed, it's not even hot off the press, we haven't really officially announced it, uh, but this morning someone's brought a bike to us already, uh, and then that's going to be given to a refugee, saving them bucket loads of money every, every week. Um, so if you have a spare bike, uh, we'll take it, we'll take it. Um, but we want to be a compassionate, we're trying to be as compassionate as we can in our community. Number seven, last one. Last one. The book of Acts is fantastic. If you want, a, a, if you want to read the Bible, if you want somewhere to start, start at the book of Acts. It's a fantastic book to kind of inspire us. As we've been, Viv and I have been thinking, what are some of the hallmarks of a healthy church? We're taking these seven things really seriously. And our future, we're, we're going to try and look like that. We're trying to make this intersection of uh, quantity, but with quality. These are the signs of quality. Number seven, boldness. See, the, the early church, they prayed for boldness. Because where they were going, they would need it. Where they were going, they would need it. And you hear constantly, and you read constantly in the book of Acts, they were faced with opposition. They were faced with insecurity. They were faced with fear. They were faced with all kinds of pressure, persecution. They were faced with uh, martyrdom. And constantly you hear some of the read some of the prayers in Acts. And it's mainly, you'll give us more boldness. Give us more boldness. And so that's our, that's our prayer for us today. Jesus, give us more boldness. Give us more, pray for Beach. Give him more boldness at, at work. Pray for us that stand. Give us more boldness uh, wherever we are. We've got one question. And then we're, we're not going to do ministry time today. What we're going to do is we're going to have a question. And uh, I think that's going to come up next. Turn to, uh, turn to your neighbour. Yeah, yeah, you were there. Yes. Um, what aspect of your life in the early church do you most desire? Either for this church, if you're visiting us today, uh, or in your, in your life, if you are visiting us. What aspect of the early church do you desire to see for this church or in your life? Uh, so just give you a couple minutes. Just turn. Turn to your neighbour. And I'm going to have a chance.